0: hashtag utah jazz Donovan's left block on the six foot goodwin bumps backs hill kicks out gives to donovan
1: donovan drives donovan gets in the lane ball fakes a lot of contact fouled and finishes yang on a cut brings capella to him finds clarkson left corner three got it first corner three of the night for the jazz donovan is six of 17 mid-range long two for donovan is good
2: Utah Jazz win again. That's 13 out of 14. Take down the Atlanta Hawks, 112-91. We told you yesterday the Hawks were shorthanded, missing four guys. And then we found out before the game that Trey Young couldn't go either, so it was a spectacularly shorthanded Hawks team. Nonetheless, a 21-point win for the Jazz, and then they were up 17 going to the fourth quarter. So, PK, we can nitpick, but they did what they had to do. I'm sure people wish they scored more than 45 points in the first half, but they were still up by eight at halftime. So, even though the offense wasn't that good in the first half, uh, they had this one under control the whole way.
3: No, I've got nothing to nitpick
2: about. Clarkson leads away with 23 and Boyan with 21, and the Jazz play again tonight. It's the Hornets. Gordon Hayward, 6 o'clock. This is one of those games that has moved back an hour. Uh, Zones coverage will start at 5 o'clock with Utah Jazz game night, pregame show. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NBA. Draymond Green, lob, Ubre Jr. catches and flushes, was wide open off the screen. Simons on the far sideline, brings it up top, swings it back to Melo, three-pointer, got it, 22 for Carmelo Anthony, and Doc Rivers takes timeout.
2: LeBron wanders into the lane, how about somebody
0: picking him up, because LeBron's going to go all the way and score easily. I have zero energy um, and zero excitement about an all-star game this year. you know, I, I don't even understand why we're having an All Star game, um, but it's the agreement that the Players Association and the league came about. We were told that we were not having an All Star game, so we had a, a nice little break, um, you know, five days from the fifth through the tenth. You know, an opportunity for me to kind of recalibrate for the second half of the season, my teammates as well. Then they they throw an All Star game on us like this and, and just breaks that all the way up. So pretty much, it's kind of a slap in the face, man. You know, I'll, I'll be there if I'm selected, um, but. I be there physically, but not mentally.
2: It's LeBron. That's the story after the game, not the fact that the Lakers were down 12 at halftime against the Nuggets. Allegedly, possibly a contender, a rematch of the Western Final, and they just blew them off the floor in the third quarter and then ran away some more in the fourth quarter and won 114-93. Why are we having an all-star game, PK? I assume somebody thinks they're making money.
3: Well, I mean, once the King speaks, <laughs> that's... <laughs> There it is, man. Um, I just have to comply. I'm not going to go against him.
2: There you go. LeBron, a triple-double in that win, 27-10-10. We like to look at box scores and see who didn't uh, who didn't come through or who did, what happened. And I think the thing that was uh, surprising here, the Lakers, seven guys in double figures, three of them off the bench. You don't have to see that kind of balance scoring out of them. We think of them as being top-heavy. And uh, both Jokic and Murray – Shot the ball poorly, and uh, Jokic ended up with 13 points. That's a very low number for him. Uh, It
3: certainly is, and Jamal Murray, that's why I don't go back to what happened in the bubble because that that was an anomaly with him. He's not that good. Uh, Jokic just didn't have it going on after earlier in the week, obviously, against the Jazz. If the Lakers play like this, like they did in the third quarter, and then the second half, the third quarter, was the quarter, obviously, watching the game, they're not going to be beat. They're going to win. Well, what do they need, 16 playoff wins to win the title? They're going to get that if they play to this level that they did in the third quarter and put this kind of game together 16 times in the postseason. I think that's just the way it is. You just have to, if you're trying to compete against them and beat them, you have to find ways to make sure that that does not happen.
2: Elsewhere in the NBA, Blazers beat the Sixers 121-105. Carmelo Anthony had 22 points. It's a big game for him.
3: Well, Lillard didn't play, man, so you don't have Lillard McCollum and your big Nurkic, that guy there. He obviously isn't out. The Sixers didn't have Simmons, uh, but you would think that the Blazers would be more ravaged giving up what they were losing as uh, far as injuries, but yet they still found a way to win. That's what's cool about it.
2: Golden State Warriors, 147 to 116 over the Mavs. That was just a, a one-game reprieve for the Mavs right there. Donsich and Porzingis were 27 to 25, but when you're giving up 147 points and the Warriors are shooting 51 percent from the three-point line, doesn't really matter if your star guys go for 25 and 27.
3: Yeah, I don't understand how Oubre had 40 points. That is so <laughs> beyond what he's been able to do this season because he's been in trouble. They've been talk about getting rid of him. And then, wow, man, he has the game of his life. I would imagine that's his NBA career
2: high. And really efficient, 14 of 21 shooting, seven of two, a uh, seven of ten. From the three point line. So massive numbers for him. And the Rockets beat the Grizzlies. Yes, they traded Harden, but they haven't bottomed out, PK. They're not great. They're not what they were, but they've not bottomed out. And they win again. They pick up a 115 103 win, and they are back over 500 at 11 10 on the air.
3: And without Old Depot,
2: he didn't play.
0: DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball.
2: College hoops, victory, victory, victory. Look at them win. Everybody's winning PK. Cougars, the Utes, the Aggies, the Wildcats. Piling up Ws. BYU is expected. Portland hasn't won a game in conference. 105-60. A 45-point blowout for BYU. Now 15-4 on the year. (laughs) Did you watch yeah. any of that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, well, oh, look at that score. It, cool. it, there were it so many according games. to plan. Right.
3: You know, we anticipated that uh, there was a lot of stuff to watch and that this would be the biggest blowout, and it was the biggest blowout.
2: Utah beats Arizona 73-58, a 15-point win. Timmy Allen led the way with 18. They got the big lead, PK, and they made it stand up.
3: Yeah, I like this win because nobody was really outrageous. You know, Tim Allen with his 18, he's capable of getting 18 just in any game. And then you got everybody else chipping in. Nobody went nuts like uh, Plummer did against uh, Colorado last Saturday. And what I mean by that is this is the way that you can sustain a level of consistency. Have everybody do something. And that's what they did. Arizona isn't a great team by any stretch. And they've had some injuries that have taken guys out. uh, But... The Utes played a solid game. The blueprint that they put on display early last evening was something that can be sustained going forward, and 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 that's what you want. And then, you know, right now, uh, if they can do that, well, then most likely Larry comes back, and they've got, uh, I don't know who's going to leave and whatnot. We'll see what plays out at that point. But they've got an opportunity to reestablish themselves to a little bit, and maybe I'm reading into just a couple of wins in a row, but you're looking for positives, and and those things, as I saw watching that game flicking back and forth, was something that led me to believe, okay, they can finish halfway decent here.
2: I think the key word in all of that was something they can sustain. It's sustainable. You know, Plummer's not going to come off the bench and give you 23 like he did at Colorado. It's great he did that one time, but if you get that one or two more times in a year, you'd be ecstatic. Whereas this, this you can do again and again. And Utah State beats Fresno State 69-53. 53 53 is rarely a winning number. The Aggie defense throttling the Bulldogs, who shot a miserable 37%. Uh, Also sustainable, PK. You Win with defense on the road. We can line up a bunch of ex-coaches here, and they'll all say the same thing. And it panned out for the Aggies. Can defense throttle,
3: though? Defense throttled them. Really? I always think of offense throttling. I don't think of defense. I think of defense
2: stifling, not throttling. Oh. Okay. Well, we can go stifling if you want. Throttled down, I guess. I don't know. Weaver State outscored Montana State 96-88. Those two teams play again tomorrow at noon in Ogden. That game will be on K-Jazz. And the Utes are off on the weekend. Cougars are off on the weekend. They will play Gonzaga on Monday. The Aggies will have a rematch with Fresno State. 8 o'clock on FS1. Scotty G will have the pregame show at 7.30 right here on The Zone. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NFL. Between high school, college, pro football, doing this for almost 30 years. um, Just so appreciative of all the different people who have helped me along the way. Uh, Just so grateful for all the experiences that I had
3: what's crazy is I haven't seen Pat throw dots like this in practice like he's been throwing crazy dots like he, like he throw dots but the dots he's been throwing in practice lately has been crazy I ain't even gonna I ain't even gonna count you know so I mean I'm pretty fired up you know so we gotta wait and see man I gotta rub my hands together I'm excited about that
2: that's Tyreek Hill thinks Patrick Mahomes has gone to another level. Darts. What'd he be throwing? Darts. Crazy, crazy darts. Darts.
3: Oh, darts. I thought he was saying dots, and I'm thinking, he'd be throwing dots?
2: I, I never heard that, but it's darts he'd be throwing. Tyreek Hill had 13 catches for 269 yards against the Bucks in the regular season. So they're going to another level from that. Look out. I don't know. Well, he'd be catching darts then. Ooh, that got to hurt. He catching if, darts? Not if you catch him right. Really? Can't, you see a field goal, darts? can't see a field goal favorite. Yeah, you let it go by, and then you just catch the back end. Oh, Super okay, got quick. it. Yeah, Super quick. Makes you know, sense. Right, you don't want that yeah, thing okay. stabbing you in the palm of the hand. Yeah, already. okay, I understand now. Jim Mattress Mac McInvale, a Houston furniture store owner who's known for making giant sports bets, has placed the largest wager on this year's game so far. He bet $3.46 million on the Bucks and took 3.5 points. If the Bucks win or just lose in cover, he'll win two point seven two million dollars. Somebody's got why a lot of money, they,
3: PK. <laughs> why do they call him Mattress Mac?
2: Uh, he owns a furniture store, so I assume they sell a lot of mattresses. It's a chain of stores in Texas.
3: Okay, so he's Mac McIlvain. Now there's a guy Mac McAnally who's a big country songwriter, huge. He's won many, many awards. Over Kinda of reminds me of Mattress Mac McElvale and Mac McAnally.
2: DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college football.
2: Eliza Tuiaki is interviewed for the Montana State head coaching position. Reported by our own Yock. Confirming these reports, Yock. Yeah, Skyline Sports up there in Montana had it first, but I've talked to a few people who said he's he is indeed in the mix. How big is the pool? Are they down to six to three? I, I to... heard it's five to seven right now. Okay. Jeff Fisher, the former Rams and Titans coach, is in on this one. BYU announced the hire of Kevin Kloon as a defensive assistant on Kalani's staff. He'll coach linebackers. Some other uh, assignments were juggled. Tuaki's going to focus on interior linemen, assuming he doesn't go to Montana State. Preston Hadley will coach defensive ends and hybrids, and Ed Lamb will coach the safeties, and Gennaro Guilford stays with the corners. There you go. Clemson boosted offensive coordinator Tony Elliott's annual salary to $2 million a year, giving the Tigers two of the highest paid assistants in the country because the defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, makes $2.4 million annually as the nation's highest paid assistant. It's a lot of cash, PK. If you're going to win, you better pay.
3: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I I saw this thing on uh, Twitter yesterday. Uh, Top conferences uh, as far as uh, money. And no Pac-12 assistant was among the top 25 most paid, according to USA Today. Now, that includes, uh, excludes, I should say, Stanford and SC as being private institutions and so you, know, you get what you pay for there, because they don't have one among the top 25. Uh, that's a fair amount uh, to not have. So you you wonder, you know, they lose guys, and how big of a deal that is. You, know, you mean if you lose one once in a while, but if you, lose a, if you lose them consistently over time, I think that's got to have an impact.
2: If you don't have any of the top tier of assistant coaches that would be a red flag. The highest paid tier all the best guys are somewhere else that's that's got to be a problem. Well top 25
3: by conference the SEC has 14 of them. The Big Ten has six. The Big 12 has three and if my math is correct that's a uh, two left over for the ACC. Now in that's in the top 25 and the top 50 pay. The Pac-12 has four of the top 50.
2: A new federal bill introduced... You know, one last thing. I guess that's why they have a new commissioner, right? Because they would pay the money if they had it? I'm not sure about that.
3: Really? Because I don't... Yeah, I don't know that the Pac-12 really is in it to win it to the level certainly of these other conferences. They don't really act like that's what their thing is. They're they get off on being a comprehensive athletic conference so the water polo wins the national championship and then bill walton can talk about that and the conference Conference of champions Champions because they win all those other ones and they like to brag about being a comprehensive athletic program conference which they are there's no doubt about it that's why walton can say what he says because they just clean up on all of those sports but most fans don't give a rip about those sports. The people who care about those sports are the parents and family and friends of the participants. The rest of us, it doesn't really matter. Just don't even pay attention to it. And so you can put on 8,000 live events every single week, as Larry Scott used to love to talk about on the Pac-12 network. Well, if a Pac-12 network plays water polo and nobody sees it, does a Pac-12 water, water polo exist? You know, that type of thing, tree in a forest. So I don't know, just because if they had the money, would they pay it? I can't answer that.
2: A new federal bill introduced yesterday would make it illegal for the NCAA or other college sports associations, the NAI, I guess, to uh, place any restrictions on the type or size of endorsement deals that college athletes could sign in the future. It's the latest in a series of proposed national legislation that aims to help athletes make money and reform the multi-billion dollar college sports industry. The proposal is the only option to date that doesn't provide any means for Congress, the NCAA, or any other governing body to regulate what what products athletes can endorse. Teams could be setting up pipelines and making sure guys get paid while they're in school. Car dealers, come on down and bring your checkbooks.
3: I would say to make sure they're getting paid
2: some more while in school. That is probably a good way to phrase it. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get a personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up next, we're talking Utah Jazz with David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. And at 910, we are talking Super Bowl with Steve Young, former Cougar, former Niner, current ESPN NFL analyst, Steve Young at 910. David Locke, coming up next. Stay with us. DJPK brought to you in part by Jerry Signer Cadillac right now. You can get up to $6,000 in purchase allowance on the XT lineup. Experience the luxury you deserve by booking a test drive today. David Locke is going to join us momentarily here. We'll talk a little Jazz basketball with him. The Utah Jazz picking up another win. They beat Atlanta, beat him by 21. Trey Young sat out. They were missing several guys, but he's obviously the biggest star they were missing. And the Jazz cruise to victory, PK. Now, you were talking yesterday about their ability to win. I guess that whole conversation between you and I would have gone differently had we known Trey Young was out. Yes. When you heard that, you thought, oh, boy. Yes. (laughs) They're going to win this.
3: Absolutely, yeah. But can I've we reset that.
2: that with Charlotte? What level of concern do you have going into the Charlotte game? I, I have a little more just because it's back to back. There's less prep time and all that stuff. But they're they're playing nine guys so much that I I don't think the back to back is going to wear them out that much. We're still pretty early in the year.
3: Yeah, well, I think uh, was it Mitchell and Bogdanovich are the only guys who played 30 minutes. I think Bogey was right on, and Mitchell was 32, and Mitchell's a young pup, so he ought to be able to run for days. And it weren't it wasn't like there were taxing minutes towards the end there they had that game in hand they did exactly what they needed to do You know, I don't think anybody – Clarkson had a nice game, 23 points in in 25 minutes, and we've come to expect that from him, and he never seems to run out of energy. And he really doesn't even really play big minutes. So the rest of them should be fine as far as that goes. I mean, you never know from game to game. Uh, Charlotte, again, is one of these teams that can be dangerous. They've got some guys who could fill it up from time to time. Hayward can have a huge game. I don't know if he still has a grudge against the Jazz. Uh, He never really seemed to want to be here and he got what he wanted and it didn't work out. So uh, now he's getting what he wants, uh, all sorts of money. I mean, the guy, this is what's wrong with the NBA as far as I'm concerned financially. He is just going to make hundreds of millions of dollars and he's not a caliber player who deserves to make hundreds of millions of dollars. He's a good player, no doubt about it. Uh, but he's getting all not all the shots, but he's getting as many shots as he could possibly handle and getting as much cash as he could possibly Mm. want. So in that way, he's he's a Hall of Famer when it comes to that. Old Robin and the kids are never going to have to work a day in their lives if they don't want to uh, because they've got every financial uh, concern taken care of for the rest of their lives and good for them. It would be nice. I wouldn't know how it would be. None of us really would. Bars being on the floor, I mean, he's capable of going for 30, 35, 40. He's a decent player. I've always liked him as a player. Uh, the Jazz have more talent, uh, but on a given game, I, who knows? So I think my, my concern is probably the same with Trey Young, without Trey Young, then my concern dropped substantially. And, you know, back to back to an extent, traveling in a COVID world, who knows? Uh, with all that stuff going on so yeah i share what you're saying i expect they win
2: charlotte like atlanta 10 and 12 on the year uh so just kind of you know and and the whole home or they're on the road this road trip and charlotte's another one of these teams they're five and six at home they're five and six away you take the fans out of the equation And there just isn't much to talk about there. And The the Jazz are better, and they're doing a good job against these teams. I think the thing that's looming out there is you look at the standings, they have the best record. So, you know, are they a contender? And, well, if you've got one of the three best records in the league, three teams separated by half a game, you have to say they're a contender. But then you look over at the way the Lakers dismantled the Nuggets in the third quarter, and you think, what does it mean to be the second, third, fourth, fifth best team in the league? How big is that gap? And we can run that by David Locke right now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. That was terrifying. What was? The Lakers' second half. All right, so that brings us to the question. We've had this, uh, this uh, <clears throat> ongoing conversation-slash-debate. Are the Jazz a contender? Well, based on the record and the standings, you got to say yes. They're one of the top three in the league, and it's three teams separated by a half game. But there's this notion that the Lakers are in cruise control, that they've got another gear for the playoffs. And when they're down 12 to the Nuggets at halftime, and they outscore them 37-17 in the third quarter, and then they pummel them again in the fourth quarter, it's like, well, how close are the contenders to the defending champ? So
1: the first thing we have to realize is that game swings when Jokic gets his fourth 4,000th out of the game and then they, Isaiah Harkenstein plays. And so the Jazz don't have that drop that Denver has in their lineups because the Jazz second team is pretty solid. Um, that would be the one difference. Otherwise, I thought the Lakers looked amazing. I mean, just that was as good a performance as anyone's had all season long that I've seen by any team in an important game. Um, they're mammoth. When you drive by Anthony Davis, you run into Marcus Sola. You drive by Marcus Sola, you run into Anthony Davis. Like, they're mammoth. And then you got LeBron hovering at, like, I don't know what position at six foot nine. So, and I thought Denver was really playing pretty well at that point. I mean, they were moving the ball, skipping. It was a beautiful basketball game. Um, and it did. It went from 10 one way to 10 the other in just a blink of an eye. And then Denver kind of knocked on the door and huffed and puffed for a minute, and they took it back to 13. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Um, I mean, even Taylon Horton Tucker looked really good. I just thought the Lakers looked amazing, and they get stops with that defense. They they run out the backside with their length. LeBron's outlet passing is absurd. Uh, I they they were awesome in that performance. So, to your question of are the Jazz a contender? I guess you got to answer to me: What percentage of a chance do you win to win the title? Are you to be a contender. I mean, I think we have a chance to play in the Western Conference Finals, so to me, that's your contender. I actually think if you play in the Conference Semifinals, you're a contender. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're frankly one sprained ankle away from probably making the finals at that point, so I think you're a contender. So the Jazz are a contender, but and as good as the Jazz have been, and they've been great, and I thought last night was, you know, against a really shorthanded team, but there were some impressive things the Jazz did last night, and they've been up, you know, mammoth amounts in every game. It's just not even close. Uh, but What I saw of the Lakers last night was different.
3: Sure. I think if the Lakers are going to play at their best, then they're going to win it. It's just a question, can they play at their best? in an individual thing, if you're playing them, it's four times, and then collectively it's 16 times. And so what, what can happen there? And I don't know about the second round. The Jazz made that second round with Hayward that one year against the Warriors, and I don't think they were contenders. They got worked but I think this is a much better team, and at their best, can they beat the Lakers? I don't think that it's outrageous. Now, if the Lakers are at their best, well, then it's going to be very difficult. You know, you look at some areas where the Lakers might be vulnerable. Uh, What do you think about rebounding? Because you look at, just looking at the box score, Denver has 16 offensive boards and the Lakers have only seven. You know, maybe there's something there. Yeah, I mean, Denver crashes really, really hard on the glass, and the game is going toward offensive rebounding.
1: We saw that last night. Atlanta was crashing. I mean, the data does not show that offensive rebounding leads to transition problems. But we also saw, you know, well, last night uh, we did see LeBron with multiple outlet passes when they when Denver was crashing that they then sent Anthony Davis or Montrez Harrell on a streak. And they're just so big they can do that, right? Like, we can't send Rudy Gobert streaking out. we we'll never get a rebound. Um, as good as Royce has been trying to battle, he's still six foot four, but the second guy on the Lakers is six eleven, and the third guy in Lakers is six nine. The pure physical strength and athleticism and length of the Lakers and Clippers is concerning to me. Um, I just, even if you look at the way Atlanta play, I mean, we're really high, you know, we're going to talk about this for four months. This is a great compliment to the jazz that they're so good that this is what you're worrying about. Um, You know, you watch what Atlanta did last night. That's the new script. Like, that's what we're going to see here for a while on how to play the Jazz. You just can't let us shoot threes. Um, The Jazz adapted throughout the night beautifully and had an incredible, what, they scored 65, 68 points in the second half. Um, But that's going to be the script where you hug to the shooters and you make Rudy Gobert and the guard play two-on-two. Well, you know, Atlanta was doing it with a six-foot-tall guard and – decrepit Jean Rondo, what happens when it's a six-foot-nine Nicholas Batum and a 7-1 Serge Ibaka guarding those two plays? You know, what happens when it's, you know, I don't think they would, you know, Contavius Caldwell-Pope, well, guess is 6-6, or I thought Kyle Kuzma's defense was amazing last night with a bunch of hustle plays, and it's, you know, Anthony Davis with a seven-footer hovering. Um I just think that that's the concern that I have is that, we're, we're going. that's what we're going to see is the Jazz are going to have to play two-on-two basketball, um, probably on an open side a lot of the time, and just the length of the Lakers and Clippers can evaporate a lot of that space.
2: So the one thing with the Lakers is no matter how well you play, you still have to be able to make shots – Now, if you get a bunch of transition layups, you know, a lot of guys are obviously going to score well. But they had seven guys in double figures, and you can go through other box scores with them. In their nights, they have like three guys in double figures because after LeBron and AD, sometimes guys really struggle. Can the Jazz defend them and keep them in a half court? I, I guess we find this out later this month, or at least we got our first peek at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the issue, the, the, the way the Jazz beat both these two teams is three-point shooting. This is this is why the way we're playing is so smart. Like, if we try to go, you know, this is the whole like, you know, we're in a heavyweight fight. And we try to go sit in the middle of the ring and punch it out. We probably don't have what it takes. We're we got two six-one guards, and we're not the most athletic group in the world. And you know, we, we don't we don't have what it takes. But if we can go dance around, Sugar Ray Leonard to Roberto Duran or Sugar Ray Leonard to Thomas Hearns, old references, but boxing's dead, so that's the last reference I can come up with, um, then I think we have a chance. And so, in regards specifically to the Lakers, the Lakers' problem is, I think, and I don't know what they finished last night shooting from three, but I think they've shot below 33% in a, a, a lot, like 9, 10, 12, 13 games. I mean, just a huge amount of games they're shooting below 33% from three. Well, Okay, well, if you're taking 24 threes and you're only making, you know, seven of them or eight of them and we're taking 45 threes and making 20 of them or even 18 of them, then we win. The problem, I just don't I think what we've seen last night from Atlanta, we saw it from New Orleans now, both times these two teams did this to the Jazz, by the way. The Jazz offensive rating going into the fourth quarter was a 120, which is astronomically high. League average is about 110. The Jazz sit at three or four in the league at 117. So 120 would be the best offense in in the league. So it's not as though the, this is stopping the Jazz. I just think that the Lakers and Clippers can execute this better, and so then that advantage might go away. But, I mean, we're going to have to see. I mean, it's, We're still, you know, we've got a long way to go, and there's a lot of things that can happen. And, but, again, I would say that this is just a great compliment to the Jazz that we're sitting here worrying about the Lakers and Clippers at this level. I didn't think the Jazz would be this close to the Lakers and Clippers level when the year started. Um, and I will say until last night I thought the Clippers were the best team in the West, but I don't after watching that.
3: I was wondering as far as the Denver game, you know, it was a couple heavyweights. You could say that, you know, it was Lennox Lewis versus Jer- Jersey Joe Walcott there. Nice, nice, nice. Good. Wow. Get, why don't you get the George Clooney reference in there? That'd be good. Wow. I just called up a thing 50 greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. <laughs> You're awesome. You're totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to come up with a couple of uh, obscure references that I never, I mean, you been couldn't able have gone Rocky pull. Marciano. You didn't go Rocky Marciano. Uh, and you didn't I not go thought Max thought or, Yeah, I, mean, I thought yeah. Rocky. And on this list, Rocky Marciano's list number two, and obviously Muhammad Ali's number one. So no, I wanted to go a little more. Marciano obscure. never lost. How can you say anyone's better? Uh, I don't know what this list is. Sportsbible.com. You'd have that's to my one, that's my one note of knowledge of history of boxing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, John Ellis Sullivan only ranked 11th. I thought he should have been. 11th. Oh god, oh,
2: okay. that's a travesty! <laughs> all right.
3: Is
2: there a question in all
3: of this? Yeah, did no, Denver show not. anything no, against not the a Jazz? Question. <laughs> anything there's against not the a Jazz question. that would concern you? You know, no, the Denver game the right game actually, hook that Jack Johnson threw. Yeah, that's right.
1: No, I mean, I actually think that the Denver game you know, when you go into the ring with someone, you're all vulnerable (laughs) to, you know, the one sucker punch that, you know, puts the lights out. Right. Like that's the equivalent of what happened against Denver is that they had this unbelievable game. They, they shot, you know, Jokic had 47 and was brilliant. He was really pedestrian last night um, with a triple double, I think, but he was still pedestrian um, for him. And, Uh, you know, and they hit eight for eight for three in the first quarter and 15 to 17 in the first half, which no one's ever done in the game. So the, the Denver game actually reconfirms to me how good the jazz are that it took, you know, the one lucky punch to go get them. It didn't take it. There was no game plan. They weren't jab, jab, and then, you know, uppercut. They weren't working different parts of the ring. They just got one lucky punch.
3: Your turn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that reminds you of Buster Douglas with the roundhouse. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Buster Douglas
1: is not on that list because he is the Denver Nuggets in that house. So that's a nice work by you.
2: <laughs> so the Jazz and the Hornets tonight, is there any, uh, any angle here? Any, or is this like the Jazz have to come out? They have to do what they do, be professional and all that, and uh, play the nameless, faceless opponent. Give me another cliche. And knock them out.
1: No, I mean I think Lamelo Ball is creative in the ring, and um, they've got some, and they're really they're I think number one or two in the league in transition possessions. So if we don't start sharply, and we end up, you know, we we have had these kind of runs all year where, you know, we're and I haven't checked the numbers recently. I'll have them updated for tonight, but where we're really, really, really good off of misses. So, you know, we get a miss with the number one team in transition and and we're getting out, and we're getting our threes in that way. And then we saw last night that if you get in the half court, someone can take away our threes. had taken double digit corner threes, I think in 12 of the last 13 games and really took two last night. We took four for the record, but took two Brantley and Oni took both late. So I don't, you know, I think that we've, we've got to, if we're going to get that game going, we've got to get out and run. The problem is if we don't get the game going they get out and run and they're pretty good you know they get out and run like that's they're not great at in transition but that's their game and so that's where i think the jazz have to be pretty careful playing a back end of a back-to-back last night was a funky game you're probably not coming out of that game with a lot of rhythm to who you are and you're playing a charlotte team that does you know come and brings it at you pretty hard so I, i think you could end up in a little trouble charlotte's won an inordinate amount of games for what their numbers are. Like they're twentieth in the league offensively, by twenty second defensively, their differential's minus two. They should be five or six games below five hundred and they're not. So I don't know whether that's that they've gotten lucky early in the season, um, or whether they you know, or whether they just have something about them that's winning some games they, they you wouldn't suspect that they win. So I, I think this will be, you know, a tough tough game you're on a rest disadvantage which is always a big it's a far bigger issue than home road this year since i think road teams are winning as much as home teams and so that'll that's that's what you've got to look at is you've got
3: to be sharp early offensively so that they can't run so do you have any concern because obviously this team is relying upon the three that they have any form of prolonged collective shooting slump no if they start shooting badly they should shoot more
1: There's yep. too much data. They're, they're, these guys are four or five years' worth of 40% three-point shooters. Just keep shooting. It'll come back right. Like Bojan's a good example, right? Like okay. Bojan started the year. He's what, what's Bojan now,
2: 41%? I will have to so check yeah. that for you. I do not have that number at my fingertips.
1: And I think he is. After last night, I think he's at 41. He just climbed it back up. So my theory on that is if we start the night two for 14, make sure you get up 50 so that you can get your sample size right.
2: <laughs> Con- they're so good, they don't have to have a conscience. Just let it rip. You're that good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing it would be is if you're not taking, like if you're taking bad shots. But, like, let's be honest about the atrocity that we watched last night. There were 61 non-restricted area twos last night. Okay? 61 of them by the two teams. It was awful. Atlanta shot, like, 50%. They were better off shooting 18% from free on those shots. Excuse me. Atlanta shot like th- 0. 0.57 points per shot. They shot like 28%, 29% of those shots. So you're better off shooting like 16% from three. The jazz weren't very good either. They shot 41% on their non restricted area twos last night. Well, that's 0. 0.82 points per shot. 0. 0.82 points divided by three comes out to, you know, if you shoot 30% on threes, you're far more efficient. So yeah, just keep jacking it. Like those are better shots than what we get. Otherwise the, the little floaters, Clarkson's is okay, and Conley's been at 50%, though it's dropping a little bit. And but some of the other shots we keep taking are just, you know, when teams early and, and we do it, we don't do it throughout the game. Like it's it's the it's it's our group's instinct to go take those shots, and then the coaches kind of remind them that they're not very good shots. And it seems to me, and then we get away from it. That that's what I see happening And happened last night.
2: How informative would it be for Jazz fans to have, and you can't really do it on a radio because you can't see the shots, but on TV, to have a second feed where the only audio was a coach analyzing every single shot very simply. Good shot, bad shot. Oh, that would be really Good shot, good shot, bad shot.
1: Right. I mean, and it's really, that's such a, a difficult concept because the other thing that is relevant in there is Rudy Gobert takes a bunch of quote-unquote bad shots when you put them in just the caps of that possession. But Rudy Gobert also sprints the floor, sets 90 picks a night, and is allowed to take five or six bad shots a night. Like, that's what keeps him going. Now, I think Rudy, I, I think we, we're going to cross into something here. Rudy's inability to score over someone, which is his, you know, kind of last step in development, is going to be a problem uh, here pretty soon. Teams are just going to force him to do it. They're they're going to hug the three point shooter, and they're going to force him to defend. They're going to force him to score over people on non dunks. And I, and he's going to have to he's going to have to do it.
2: Okay, so I would say, and I actually we were talking about this at Channel Two watching the game in the second half last night. I think Joe drove and then gave him the ball, and there's a defender between Rudy and the hoop. And if Joe keeps going to the hoop. And throws it off the glass. Maybe it goes in, and if it doesn't, does Rudy go get it and dunk it anyway? I honestly think there's a better chance of force a shot that you don't love because you might make it because you're six nine and you're so close to the hoop, and you just put it high off the glass. It's a pretty big target, and if you miss it, does that guy block Rudy out anyway? I mean, guys, I mean
1: Rudy. Rudy's offensive rebounding is leading to his dunks. The Jazz did something. The Jazz did two adjustments last night that are worth keeping an eye on if you want to be a little geeky on this one is they started running the pick and roll on an empty side. So they moved, if they're going to hug the shooters, they moved all three shooters to the high left side and Atlanta just stuck to all three shooters. It allowed for a two on two game and they moved the pick and roll to the right side of the floor. So they were coming from an angle. And then that is how Conley got two of the dunks to Rudy there was an angle change in what the Jazz are doing in pick and roll. So the the coaching staff is brilliant and made some changes to be able to get Rudy those shots that he wasn't getting earlier.
2: All right, David, we will let you go there. Do you have a Super Bowl pick or you don't care? You just uh, call the game, go home, break out the chips and the salsa, and uh, watch it.
1: Um, I probably don't care, though. This house still has not forgiven the New England Patriots for stealing a Super Bowl at the goal line, and so Tom Brady is hated. And so I think I probably, if I want to get dinner, we'll root for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but I, uh, and Craig Bullerjack, you know, keep Craig happy. Yeah. Um, um, I would just, like, how many times has the lesser of the two quarterbacks won? So Mahomes is the better quarterback in this sport. Like, if you just go through the Super Bowl and you just go through it and take the better quarterback,
2: don't you win almost every Super Bowl? Uh, not everyone, every but every you, you win. Correctly? You win a high percentage. You get your point. I mean, Brady's lost three Super Bowls in which you. Everyone would say he's the better quarterback. So he's six and six yeah. and three in Super Bowls. So. And who
1: would he lose to? Eli Manning. So twice. He's not.
2: Twice to Manning yeah. and once to Nick Foles in Philadelphia. Yeah. So those would be exceptions to the rule. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a. That's not a foolproof system, obviously. Thank you, David. Okay. See you, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve Young, ESPN and NFL analyst and former BYU and Niner quarterback, of course. He will be here at 9-10 this morning talking Super Bowl and all things NFL. You can probably talk happy and unhappy quarterbacks with him as well, PK. He was, a quiet, he was really in the middle of it when he was a player. He saw some stuff. And now we see some unhappy quarterbacks around the NFL. We'll talk about all that with Steve coming up at nine ten right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest-rated, most-listened-to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
2: DJ PK, want to remind you that Valentine's Day is not far away and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmy'sflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers, visit them at jimmy'sflowers.com. All right, PK, the Jazz pick up another win. Ready to go back to back now with Charlotte tonight. We just heard from. David Locke, and you got any takeaways from that conversation aside from just some spectacularly uh, fabulous boxing references?
3: Well, he usually likes to build up whoever the opponent is that the Jazz are playing, so sort of soften the blow if they should lose, but I'm not buying it. Jazz are a much better team, and even though it's still way early, I mean, we're not even at the halfway point, obviously. The calendar says we should be, but this is an unusual year, obviously, and to me, we're still, exciting part of it is that we're talking about keeping pace, and it's like we're in a pennant stretch, you know, the other team won, so now we got to win. Lakers won last night. Uh, Clippers, you know whatever they're going to do. So it's something that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the we're going to watch the Jazz game. It's what we do, and then we're going to be looking and monitoring the Lakers and Clippers. And we're going to be doing that hopefully for the next three or four months. And that's that's something that's fun. That's a great position. I do agree with him on that. As far as it's a compliment to the Jazz, that it's something that we're intently watching the Lakers. We watch that third quarter and see them play against the nuggets and think, man, whoo
0: gosh, <laughs> All right
3: it's just beat us and now the Lakers, man, that third quarter, man, they just turned it on LeBron. It's just an athletic marvel. You know, he to me, he what Tom Brady has done at forty three is very, very impressive. Uh what LeBron is doing at his age, I think he's thirty six now, it's equally or more impressive uh, because it just shows no signs of any form of slippage whatsoever, at least that I can notice, uh, to my untrained eye. I, to me, I could throw back to maybe he's not high flying and all, but that that stuff is that's for show. Yep. You know, if you're if you're putting the ball in the basket and defending and doing all this stuff, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter if you're a high wire act or not. The result is the same. And so I can't really notice any difference. And so we're watching these things, and that is a compliment to the Jazz. I agree with what he's saying 100% there in that we're all only just 21 games into it. But, man, we've got to win to keep pace. And that's a great, great position to be in. And right now you are keeping pace. And when it gets down to the time when you actually play, you've already played the Clippers once, and the next time you play them will be huge. Haven't played the Lakers yet, but that's going to be like the game of the year at that point assuming everybody's healthy and can go and something. So it's so intense right now, just 20 games into a 70-game season. To me, I find that being fun.
2: I think that when you watch LeBron, I don't think he has slipped. He's changed maybe the way he plays over time. It's just like subtle year to year. But you know, I haven't so, seen it. So much is made of slow-mo Joe and – Watch how LeBron plays. Like, he's got a gear when he needs to go to. He flies. But he chooses when to go there. You know, he plays slow. He lets you make, what, make make whatever decision you want. Take away whatever you want. And he'll go left. He'll go right. He'll pull up and hit a three. He'll go all the way to the rim and dunk. He'll hit the mid-range game. He'll take you into the post. And it's, this, it's just, uh, do whatever you want. I'll read it. And then you can't take away everything. And I've got whatever i need to beat you whatever you force me to do i do it at a high level so pick your poison well, i haven't and, seen
3: that change in this entire time he's been in the league i don't
2: i don't think he had that um i think early on it was go 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 100 miles an hour all the time which is impressive cuz he's so freaking athletic but the basketball iq just keeps building and now he's got he'll, he'll beat you at any speed he wants and he can still go he can still just Locke was talking about their ability to get out on a break and blow by you, and he can do that. It's not that he's lost a gear because he hasn't, but he'll just slow it down in a half court, read it, and just slice and dice you. And I don't think he could do that early on.
3: I guess I don't remember, but I don't think he had any weakness early on, and I don't think he has any weakness now.
2: (laughs) February, what is it, uh, 17, I think, coming up in like two weeks? Today's the 5th. Yeah, I think there's a, a game coming up then with L.A. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. we got the question of the day. It's all about tonight's game. It's the Jazz, it's Hornets, it's Gordon Hayward. Have you let it go? We'll get to that next. Stay with us.